Hello and welcome to this Royal London Protection Podcast. I'm Amanda Doherty, one of the market managers here at Royal London, and I'm delighted to be joined today by my colleague, Vince O'Connor, our Senior Business Development Manager. Vince, good to see you today. Good to see you too. So today we're going to be talking about state benefits and in particular um, around some of the key issues um, to do with this topic and also tell you a bit about what we are doing to help the, help the advisor community. So Vince, state benefits, a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Absolutely, Amanda. There's been a couple of things which at the time of recording this podcast have been in the news recently. Uh, if we take, for example, the landmark court ruling where a widowed mother of four was awarded bereavement support despite never being married to a partner, this potentially sets a precedent for cohabiting couples who, under the current law, don't have the same rights as those who are married or in a civil partnership. Then we've got the topic of universal credit, which continues to be scrutinised, with many people concerned that the rollout of that programme, which is expected to be completed by 2023, will have a damaging effect on people. We think that headlines like these continue to make us aware of how financially vulnerable we are when it comes to reliance on state benefits. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Vince. And I think it's also fair to say that the benefit system is pretty complex. Yes, they are. And I know that many advisors listening today will often struggle with the fact that state benefits can be such an incredibly confusing path to tread. If we take, for example, eligibility, just knowing what to claim, when someone can claim it, That can be so difficult to determine because there are a few individual factors that determine whether someone can claim or not. These could be whether they've paid enough national insurance contributions, some benefits are age related, so how old the person is becomes important, some benefits are means tested which means your income, your savings as well as your partner's income come into consideration. Yeah, I know that we've had feedback from advisors that they need to know they need to have a good understanding of what state benefits are available to their clients because it's so fundamental to giving advice. I mean, you can't calculate the protection gap unless you know what cover and benefits are already in place. Yeah, that's right. And the problem, as I see it, is that the state benefit system is so complicated. It's difficult enough to keep track of all the benefits that are available, let alone the specific criteria that would allow someone to claim them. Well, we've recently been working on a new sales tool, which we think is really going to help with that. And when we were putting this together, um, Vince, you had some really good insights to share with me. And I thought it would be really helpful for our listeners if we could spend some time talking about a few of those points. Okay, so to start us off, I knew that not everyone was eligible for state of benefits, but I didn't appreciate how difficult the application process was. That's right, Amanda. If we take ESA or Employment and Support Allowance, this, as we know, replaced incapacity benefit almost 10 years ago at the time of recording this podcast. And we do have a lot of data, and this is from the Department of Work and Pensions themselves, to show us how people have been getting on when it comes to making claims. And this benefit is where you would try to claim it if you were off work sick. And that's after any pay from your employer and any statutory sick pay. If we take employed people, Amanda, we know that those people would claim it after six months of incapacity, or 28 weeks technically. In the first six months, they'd receive statutory sick pay. And remember, Self-employed people, they're not entitled to statutory sick pay, so they'd need to make their claim straight away. We thought it was quite an interesting fact to note that in the last three years and nine months, based on the data provided by the DWP, it's been over 3.3 million people that have made claims for ESA. And if you think about it, that's an amazing statistic because that's 5% of the UK population who found themselves in a position where they're off work sick for a significant period of time. Well, that is. And another interesting um, fact that you told me is that the application form for the ESA is 55 pages long. 55 pages it is. It might be a great sales idea just for advisors to download a copy of it and show it to their clients. It's long, it must be fully completed, 
and you've got to disclose a lot of information. So how long would that normally take? We know from our own income protection claims that we pay a lot of claims, 18% just for mental illnesses. So what if you're suffering from depression or a mental illness or anxiety or stress, and you've got to fill in a long and complicated application form? It makes you think, doesn't it? Wow, it really does. And how long does it take for a decision to be made? Well, according to, again, to the DWP's own data, it's on average about 19 weeks, Amanda, which is almost five months. And again, just to repeat, the thing to remember here with ESA is that for all those employed people, they've already been off work sick for six months before they start to claim ESA. So they're already going to be feeling the strain financially, so can't really afford to wait that long. Exactly. Okay, so I'm sure we're going to have a lot of mortgage advisors listening. So could you talk to me a bit about mortgage-related state benefits, Vince? Well, these have changed fairly recently, Amanda, and we're talking here about SMI, or Support for Mortgage Interest, not capital. Support for Mortgage Interest is now a loan. It's not free benefit. What does that mean, not free? Well, it means you have to pay it back, Amanda. What actually happens is that when you claim SMI, you're basically receiving a loan from the government, and this would need to be repaid, plus interest, when either they sell the property, they transfer it to another owner, or when they die. And the rate of interest is only 2.6%, which is actually quite low if you think about it. Yeah, so does that mean it could be the case if they pay a higher rate of interest to the mortgage lender, then then they'll have a shortfall and still might not be able to cover their payments? They will do. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also an upper limit as to how much someone could claim. And I think the main headline here is the waiting period. That's 10 months before you can apply. I can't imagine that the take up of these loans is very high. Well, the DWP's own figures say that the number of people accepting loans has practically ground to a halt in recent months. But just to add to this, Amanda, there has been some good news. There's been a bit of confusion about this, but the DWP have now made it clear that any income that people receive from insurance, such as IP, income protection, specifically intended to cover the mortgage payments, well, this would be disregarded when the means-tested benefits are assessed. Well, some good news at last then. So moving on, um, bereavement payments have also changed. Was that just over a year ago, Vince? That's right. It was, Amanda. It was about April 2017, and they changed, but not in a good way as far as the claimant would be concerned. Instead of receiving help up to the point where your youngest child reaches adulthood, age 20, and remains in full-time education, what now happens is the government will only offer support for a maximum of 18 months. Under the old system, an individual could have received a maximum payment of over £121,000. If you compare to where we are now, under the new system, the same individual would receive just £9,800. Wow, that really is a massive difference and it's going to have a massive impact on families, I'm sure. Okay, so can you tell me a bit about what's been happening with Universal Credit? I've seen a lot in the news lately and not all good. Well, this one is complicated, but what we do know is that Universal Credit is replacing six existing benefits with a single monthly payment. It's being introduced in stages all over the UK and it's expected to be fully rolled out by 2023. Now, the intention is to simplify things, but there's been a lot of backlash about it in terms of reported issues around the online application and also delays in payment being made. And there are mounting concerns that people may well be worse off as a result of the new system. That's all been really interesting. Thank you, Vince. Um, A lot has been happening then, I think it's fair to say, and it's quite a lot for advisors to get a handle on. That's right, Amanda. And I think it's fair to say that advisors have got enough on their plates with seeing clients, compliance, dealing with lenders and insurance companies. And really getting a proper, true understanding of all state benefits is such a difficult job because it's complicated and it's so time consuming. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we've created a new sales tool for advisors that we hope is going to help with this. It's called Stay On Track, 
your quick start guide to state benefits. And this includes some of the points that we've just discussed, but goes a little bit further. We've added some case studies in there which show the reality of what would happen to someone if, for example, their partner died or they became too ill to work and they then had to rely on the welfare system. And I think advisors are really going to like this guide, Amanda. The case studies are good because they add real context and bring the story to life. And if you look at that bit at the back of the, the guide, which is entitled What's Available, this is where you can very quickly find out all the headlines about each key benefit. Nice and simple. Great. Glad you think so, Vince. And also thank you for taking the time out to record this podcast with me today and for helping to put together the new guide. As you'd expect, this demonstrates why having some protection will lead to a much better outcome for advisors' clients. Yeah, so if you want to actually download a copy of this guide, all you need to do is go to the Royal London website, advisor.royallondon.com. You'll find the guide in the Protection Literature Library under State Benefits and under New Things. That's it. And that's us for now. I'd like to say thank you for tuning into this podcast today. And if you've got any feedback, either about what we've covered on the podcast or in the guide, then we would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. Bye for now.